It's the e-commerce master plan podcast here to help you grow your e-commerce business faster and more efficiently by cutting through the hype to bring you inspiration and guidance from the e-commerce sector and beyond. Here's your host, Chloe Thomas. Hello, Master Plan World. Welcome to our latest podcast. As it always is, it's an absolute pleasure to have so many of you out there listening. I'm Chloe Thomas. I'm the creator of the e-commerce Master Plan. I'm an author, speaker and advisor, and I focus on solving your e-commerce marketing problems. If you have an e-commerce problem you'd like my help solving, then head over to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash solve. And there you will find a link to a form to fill in. And if you do that, I aim to get back to you within one working day. So long as I'm not on holiday. If I'm on holiday, I won't be getting back to you, but I will as soon as I get back, I promise. Uh, Right. Let me introduce you to today's special guest. Andrew Banks has a ton of e-commerce experience. In 2014, he launched Earth Bathrooms, which within three months made it the eighth largest bathroom retailer in the UK. 18 months in, Earth Bathrooms was acquired by Matalan, which led to Andrew becoming their head of e-commerce, during which time he increased turnover by just £24 million um, in just 12 months. Today, he runs Venture Forge, which is an e-commerce incubator that advises, builds and invests in high-growth e-commerce businesses. Hello, Andrew. Hello, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, very good. Thank you. Excellent. Well, look, I've given our listeners a very quick and very impressive overview of you and your experience of where you are right now. But let's let's go back even before where my intro started and find out how you actually got started in e-commerce in the first place. Okay, well, I think, uh, you know, hopefully my dad's listening to this. I think if he is, he'll sit back and say, well, I told you so. Uh, <laughs> I've always kind of had a passion for for computing, digital technology, but never really realised it. Uh, I came out of school with, you know, reasonable GCSEs and A-levels, went to university and then just quit after a couple of weeks because I was on the wrong course and it wasn't for me. Uh, took a year to kind of figure out what I wanted to do. Uh, and kind of realised that you know, the past four, five, six years of my life, I had this real passion for computing. And even going back as far as junior school, uh, and this is kind of the late 80s, I was the one kid in the school that taught the headmaster how to use a computer. So it's kind of been there from the start. And mainly because my dad bought a computer early on and we used to sit in the kitchen uh, and play around on it. Uh, so what was really a, a passion became a, you know, a career and a business for me. Went through university on a what at that time was called an interactive multimedia degree. And this is back in the days of interactive CD-ROMs, CD-ROM business cards, flash websites. Uh, came out of that, got into the agency world, and I've, I've never really looked back from there. And e-commerce and digital has, has been you know, a big part of my life for, for nearly 20 years now. Amazing. So was was Earth Bathrooms the first e-commerce venture you got involved with or did you have some experience of kind of digital marketing and e-commerce before you, you took the plunge with that one? So it was the first venture I really got involved in uh, to grow from the ground up. But digital, as I said, had been my career for 20 years or my life for 20 years, I have been to now. Uh, so from leaving university, I came out as a, as a developer, worked in d- digital agencies, building sites. That moved on to looking more at the marketing of the sites uh, and then spent you know, five or six years just inside agencies and working with some really amazing clients, helping them build their business. Uh, and it was really from there that the e-commerce passion grew. Uh, and I ended up working on more on the retail side of things in-house with, with some of the other clients that, uh, that we've had today. Very nice. And uh, okay, so the, the first big business you got involved with was Earth Bathrooms. 
Now, the audience know that I often say one day I might start an e-commerce business, but the list of requirements for that business and its products just keeps growing. And one of them is that it will fit through a post box. That is definitely not the case with a bathroom. They are, they're not the easiest product to be dealing with online. So why did you choose bathrooms? Okay, so the, the market at that time had been disrupted by, as I mean, the bathrooms market had been disrupted by a few big online players in the UK who had taken bathrooms, which were typically sold in the B&Qs of this world, the big out-of-town retail stores, and brought them online and cut through the salesmanship that went on in stores and, and brought the prices down. What we saw was an opportunity to actually disrupt that wave of disruption. So the, the market had been brought online, that's great. But we didn't really see anybody that was doing it particularly well from a customer service point of view. The market opportunity was still quite large at that point. And the opportunities came about when I'd, I'd actually done a consultancy piece at another retailer mm-hmm. uh, that sold bathrooms. Uh, a friend of mine had just exited one of his businesses and was looking to build a retail business. And the two things just aligned over a coffee. I was looking to get into something new and build something. Uh, my friend who exited his business really wanted to build uh, a retail business from the ground up. And a few things just came together. So look, let, let's go after bathrooms and and let's uh, let's do what we can there. Uh, a really valid point about the size of the goods. It, it's <laughs> not easy moving that stuff around, and it's, it's very easy to damage it once it's in transit. So that, that was one of the big challenges we had in growing that business was, was logistical cost and you know delivering the promise to customers that you that you committed to. But the the opportunity that you could see in the market and the angle to go in on on the customer service side was such that it was it was fine that the product was a bit chunky. Absolutely. Yeah, there's no easy business left to start in this world. If it was, if there were easy businesses sat there for the taking, everybody would be launching businesses tomorrow. So every every sector that you look at, there's still opportunity, but you've got to take some pain with it. And, and we saw, yeah, the opportunity was big enough, the chance to do something different and, and move customer service above where the rest of the industry was, was, was good. Uh, and we thought that was worth a punt. Nice. Clearly, clearly it was worth a punt. So, um so you ended up getting acquired by Matalan. Now, I'm not going to make you divulge details of the deal or anything like that because I know, I know a lot of that can be restricted. But when you started Earth Bathrooms, was it the plan to sell it and exit or was it the plan to keep it? You know, Was, was it suddenly a, a surprise that you ended up selling or, or was, had that always been part of your, your game plan? I'm going to give you a politician's answer to that. <laughs> yes and no. Uh, when, 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 you know, me and, and, and the other guys that were involved in this got together and started talking about it. Uh, part of the idea was we would grow some retail ventures and some of them would may exit and some of them we may com- you know, maintain ownership and continue to run them and grow them. Uh, this business just grew quicker than we expected. Uh, so yes, we were looking at some point for some of the ventures to be acquired uh, we didn't really expect it to be the first one. And I suppose that's the sign of a sensible startup plan is you're, you're ready for the different exits. You know that that could be an, could be an option and you're open to it when you start start the whole ball rolling, I suppose. That's one, one of the big things I've learned across the last, probably more so than five years, in the last five years, but maybe five to ten years, is that when you're building a startup business or, or any kind of high growth business that's in the early stage, I'm not a massive believer in having a plan. I think I'm more of a believer in having a vision. So where do you, you know, want to get to ultimately, but don't get hung up on the steps that it takes to get there because things change and, and you, your ideas don't pan out as you expect them to do. So I think being agile and nimble uh, and, and having a rough idea of where you want to get to is really important, but being agile is, is more important than having a specific plan. So so some kind of, this is where we want to get to, let's keep ducking and diving and 
you know, tweaking and optimising until we get there, rather than going, we are going to commit to Google Ads, you know, that sort of thing. Is that what you mean? Exactly that. When you're growing a business exceptionally quickly, or when you're growing any business at all, it's okay to sit down and go, look, in a year, we're going to be at £15 million pounds or, or £100,000, and to get there, we're going to do exactly A, B, C, D, and E. Because you don't even know if A will work out, so you don't know if B will be worth doing. So I think that, that's exactly it. Have the vision as to where you want to get to. Is it a £100,000 business selling 15 products in a particular category? And head for that vision, but don't get too hung up quite on the, on the path that you take to get there. I think that, that, that will trip you up rather than support you. Well, because let's face it, the, at the end of the day, the success is the profit you make out of it. So if if you end up at 80,000, you made more profit than you thought, that's a great thing. If you end up at 100,000, you made the profit you thought, and you only sold 10 products, not 15, that's still a massive success, isn't it? You've just got to got to follow the right indicators as you as you dive along. Absolutely. And it's looking for the learnings. You know, it's okay set out and thinking these five things will make my business, you know, make or break my business. But you don't know how customers are going to respond to what you're putting in front of them. So all the great ideas that you come up with, hopefully will all be great ideas, but the reality is that some of them won't won't be. And it's how you respond to that and how you then get the business back in the right direction that's, uh, that's the most important piece. Oh, so true. Great advice there. Right. Okay. We've got as far as, as getting acquired. So, and you said, you know, the important part about earth bathrooms and any high growth strategy is to not have a plan that's set in stone, but to know where you're going. You got any any other key piece, because that was gold dust. Have you got any other key piece of advice for those who are out there listening going, I, I've got this idea and I want to grow it fast? Yeah, I, I think one of the pieces of advice I would offer is keep on keep on going. Uh, I think every conference, uh, we were talking just before this interview about conferences and events, mm-hmm. every conference or event I go to, somebody on the stage trying to pitch up a silver bullet as here's something that will solve all of your problems and grow your <laughs> business amazingly and yes those things do exist but you know, they're few and far between so the most important thing for me is keep on keeping on don't, don't give up just because the one big idea you have didn't pan out look for what's uh, what i call the validated learnings within there what can you learn from it that has taken you forward and has taken you in the right direction do more of that stuff and do less of the stuff that hasn't worked and just keep on persevering. There are no silver bullets uh, at all in any industry. I don't know uh, why people keep thinking there are. I think it just keeps us all hoping, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Look, if if the various silver bullets ideas that you hear can inform your path and give you new ideas to go and test brilliantly, it's great to go and do that stuff, but unfortunately... If I, if I knew one tactic that I could deploy that would grow a 10, 15, 20 million pound business overnight, I'd be deploying that every single day. But uh, unfortunately, I haven't got that. Oh, yeah. Wouldn't we all? I think I, I would say there's another subtle uh, tip from what you were just saying there, which is attend every conference with a level of scepticism. Absolutely. Conferences <laughs> are organised by salespeople and salespeople talk at conferences. So true. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, the next question I've got is about whilst you're at Matalam. Okay, because adding twenty-four million pounds to the turnover of any e-commerce business, no matter what how high the starting point was, is, is an impressive um, achievement. And we could go and talk about the nitty-gritty about that. But what I actually rather like to understand is, you know, when you when you hit the ground on day one, and you, I mean, clearly there were expectations you were going to make a big impact. How do you approach that on day one? How do you how do you enter something? that's been going, that exists, that's got a team, that's got infrastructure in place, and then make that big an improvement in that shorter time span? 
Okay, I think probably we'll just give you a quick bit of context as to, to where we come from with, with kind of Earth Bathrooms and, and what Matan looked like at that time. So Earth Bathrooms, uh, we got to about a 3 million uh, run rate by the time we exited, uh, and we had about 42 guys in the business. Now, out of those 42 guys, I'd say about 50 to 75% of them are what I'd call digital people. So we built a digital business that looked more like a digital marketing agency than it did a typical retailer. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong, we've got some amazing retail talent in the business as well, but we deliberately built it digital talent first. Matalan is a, is a, is a completely different business. It's, a, it's an exceptional, amazing business. Uh, it, it's a traditional retailer, or it, it's more of a traditional retailer. You know, over 200 stores uh, across the UK, and it's 1.1, 1.2 billion in terms of turnover. So you've got two completely different businesses. Uh, one that is, is retail, you know, planned amazingly well traditional in terms of how it how it operates and the other was a, a digital startup that was moving very quickly very agile uh, but also you know, to be fair we, we didn't have a level of rigor that the big corporate uh, retailers have uh, and there's learnings from both sides of things there so i think just to, to come back to your question the first thing i really had to do when i, when I joined matalan we take stock of, of what we had, what were the strengths that we had to deal, you know, to, had to operate with, what were the weaknesses, and also what was the strategy to deliver the growth uh, you know, that the business was expecting. Uh, and then once I understood that, evaluate what I had, and, and was it, I think, fit for purposes is the wrong way of describing it, but, but was it really lined up to deliver the level of growth that we that we needed to deliver that year? So there is some ele- some element of of having to, to do that stock check when you get there. I often see people start in in a similar type of role to that and they seem to spend like the first year doing the stock take, uh, you know, as in not literally counting the stock, guys, uh, as in, you know, taking stock of what, what the resources are and where they're trying to get to and what the opportunity are. I'm going to take a rough, a rough guess that you didn't spend a whole year doing that piece of analysis. No, but to be fair, it did take a lot of time and throughout the year, I'm there was lots of learning still going on. So I'd say I got a good grip for, for things within the first three months. But it is, it is a huge, complex business. So I would, I, to be fair, I would say it took a full year to get a real understanding of the nitty-gritty and, and the detail of, of that business. Uh, but yeah, I'd, I'd say the, the, the crux that was understood within three months and we realigned uh, you know, various elements of the strategy. I think overall the business, when I joined, was heading in the right direction. It was more lighting a fire under certain elements of the strategy doubling down in certain areas and, and getting the best out of, uh, of what we've got to work with. So would you say that the the biggest, you know, when you're approaching it in a, in a larger company like that, the biggest impact on the growth comes from the marketing, the platform, the back end or the people? I think I managed to get all the big, big groups of stuff <laughs> there. <laughs> And feel free to bring in experience you've got from other other projects you've worked in as well. There, that's fine. Cool. So I suppose to, to understand, answer that across other retailers, it differs depending on the business. But I say where, where I saw the biggest wins at Matan, I would say, is in the people. Uh, and, and to be really clear as well, we, we did have a full re-platform going on when I joined the business. So technology played a huge part in the growth and enabling us to do certain things. But I couldn't really work and deal with that technology until it was deployed, which was about six months into my time there. So it's I said bulk of our growth work came from getting uh, the, the people firing uh, as well as we could do. When I joined, we had an amazing team. You know, it, it, but you know, individually, they were all excellent. Uh, 
but we're a small department in a major business. So you know, we, you know, Matt on e-commerce is, you know, it's not 1.2 billion. It's not the size uh, of the main business. Mm-hmm. So you're trying to work with a team and inspire and motivate the team to work in agile ways and drive change in and amongst an organization that was working quite differently at times. Uh, so getting the teams to fire, to work a little bit more agile, uh, to, to move quicker. I know not saying the team weren't working quickly, but to take on more change and move that through more rapidly and test and learn quicker, that, that was really important. Uh, I think looking back, I, I often find it's easy to talk about a business retrospectively as opposed to when you're in it. I think my looking back, I didn't realize when I joined the business how good the team actually were and looking back now having left the business uh, I had an exceptional team there and I would definitely attribute the bulk of the growth that year to what, what those guys achieved. There is a there is a phrase which is you um, you live life forwards and you learn it backwards um, which I th- think you know you 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 get on with the day to day and you only really realise what you did when you look back. So um, I, I would I would attribute that quote, but I'm terrible at remembering who said things. <laughs> so uh, so answers on a postcard, please, guys. Uh, we'll take on that one. Is so we say about looking backwards. Is there anything that you would have changed about what you did? with the with the benefit of hindsight you know something you'd have kicked off sooner or you'd have not bothered with that you think you should have known in advance there you go that's an evil question <laughs> so i think one, one big learning i found and i love the quote you was given there about you know look, learning backwards uh, is, is the importance of communication uh, i think when, when i joined the business I, I looked very internally at the e-commerce department because that's where i needed my attention to be to grow that part of the business very quickly i think what i undervalued whilst i was there was actually the importance of taking the wider business on the same journey and that's something i started to become really aware of towards the end of my time at matalan uh, but yeah, retrospectively, a big learning for me is, is taking the, the wider business on that journey because you can't continue to grow a business at that rate unless absolutely everybody in the business is aligned. Oh, it's, it's such a such a truism and um, and something which we seem to just endlessly be living through in the world of e-commerce. I remember when I first started, it was it, I was in I did a lot in the mail order world, so you had to kind of like reassure people that the web wasn't going to destroy everything in the catalogue. And then, then you get into the retail world and you have to, to convince everybody in the kind of the physical bricks world that the clicks aren't going to destroy their world. And now it seems that in the B2B space, we're experiencing the same thing, which is we now have to convince the salespeople that e-commerce isn't going to destroy their world. It, seem, it, it seems like we're kind of going through these phases in these waves of you must bring the people along with you. You must bring the people along with you if, if this whole structure is going to work in businesses. Does, is that something you find again and again in the businesses you work with? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we work with quite a few businesses, the different types and you know, B2B businesses, B2C businesses. The, the big thread I see across these businesses where you do or don't succeed, and it's, it's, it's all people related, but it's either taking the people on the journey or the culture of the organization. And that's what I've seen really underpin the most successful e-commerce businesses. Those that have the team fully aligned and everybody in the business, whether it's supply chain, buying, design, technology, whatever it may be, all, all the way down to you know, the, the drivers on the road, those that have them aligned with the true re- just true vision for the business typically fire really well. Equally, those that have what I'd call a, a digital culture in the business or a more agile culture that's fit for today's world, they're more open to change, they're more able to respond to change, and they are typically the high growth businesses. So is it is it would it be fair to say that um if if you're considering buying or going in at a senior level to a to a retailer, 
almost one of your key criteria for whether you're going to do it is is the culture in place or could the culture be put there quickly rather than do the team have the skills it's almost more the culture than the skills side of it when it comes to the people decision i think there are about eight questions in there so pick whichever one you want to go with <laughs> so yes yeah, so there's a big difference between technically capable of doing your job and culturally driving the business and working in the right ways so yeah when, I, when i'm looking at working with an organization we, we always want to be working with the senior stakeholders and that's typically the founders or the ceo we want their level of involvement and we want to be working with the board so we can actually influence the things that matter uh, you often find the board are really aligned uh, or, or are typically aligned and, and want to get there but you need their backing to try and drive or change a culture if that doesn't exist and then to get the right things moving to grow the business. So, yeah, you definitely need that senior stakeholder uh, involvement. It needs to be seen as a stakeholder relationship uh, and get, getting the culture right and the right culture in a business and people aligned to that, not just technically capable, but culturally aligned to the business uh, it is really important. Okay. So um, do you have one one last tip before we go into the top tips around proper? One last tip for anyone who's looking to, you know, take a, mi- a business from, I don't know, let's say 2 million, 2 million, 5 million a year to get it up to the double figure millions. Can one say double figure millions? Anyway, I'm going to say it. So they, they can hit that, that 10 million plus levels. Okay. So one, one single tip. Uh, <laughs> yeah. If you, if you can keep it to one, if you want, if you need to go to two or three, we'll take it. Are you asking for a silver bullet? I'm no, definitely <laughs> not asking for a silver bullet. I'm asking for things that people should consider maybe. Cool. So I, I think I'd go back to that point about having a vision, not necessarily a plan. And I think I would, I would just caveat that by the closer you get to the double, the triple millions, planning becomes so much more important. But I think the the ability to have a vision as to where you want to get to, whether that's the 10 or the 20 or the 30 million pound number, and then a, a process that allows you to work towards that and test your ideas and prove that they do or don't work, but remain completely agile. I think 2 million sounds like a big turnover number for any startup business, but in reality, 2 million is still startup. So mm-hmm. you, you're likely to have a proven, rigorous, robust business model and you really still need to find those ways of growing the new opportunities and you will only get there through a test and learn approach. Excellent advice. Right, let's do the top tips round now. And um, I love this section because me and our listeners some really quick ideas for taking our businesses to the next level. So Andrew, first up is the book top tip. If everyone listening to this podcast agreed to take Friday off and read a book to make their business better, which book would you recommend? I've really struggled with this. I'm, I'm, I'm very bad, bad at decisions at times, so I'm, I'm going to give you two if you don't mind. That's fine. Uh, the first one would be uh, Lean Startup by Eric Ries. I think for anybody who's in a startup position wanting to test something new and not get hung up on typical business KPIs like profit and loss, turnover, profit margins, because you're just in the crux of testing an idea, Lean Startup is a great book and teaches really good principles for, uh, for moving a business on in that direction. I think the second book I'd recommend is Traction by Gino Wickman, and that was recommended to me by a good friend. Uh, That book is great for helping you get a system into your business, an agile system for setting a vision and running the business in an agile way, but still keeping an element of rigor and, dare I say, planning within the business. (laughs) Yeah, planning is such a tricky word. One person's plan is another person's I don't know, napkin. Um, <laughs> anyway, all right, the e-commerce traffic top tip then. Which marketing method do you either prize above all others or think doesn't get the press it deserves? I think email. I think you've, post GDPR, uh, if you're in Europe, 
email volumes have dropped significantly. Emails become harder. But I think the, the, the one thing with email that really resonates strongly with me is they are typically your customers or people closest to being your customers. I think we talk a lot uh, about using new external sources. People talk about paid search and affiliates and using influencers and social traffic and paid social. But to come right back to the people that are buying from your business today and how can you get more from them and nurture them and make them feel valued, email is a great, it's a great traffic source for bringing in loyal repeat customers that are highly likely to convert. Oh, you're preaching to the converted when it comes to me. Okay, the uh, the tool top tip there, maybe a collaboration tool, a social media plug in a phone app, or just a way of working. Is there a cool little tool you use that makes you and your team more efficient from day to day? Yeah, this, this was an easy one. We use lots of tools that I'm sure you'll be familiar with, things like Slack and Trello, et cetera. Uh, the one that really stands out is Asana. Uh, I, I describe Asana as kind of a hybrid of Trello, Basecamp for people that have used it, and Slack. It's got the whole messaging, collaboration, very, very basic light-touch project management features in there uh, that works really well for me too. We've got teams in various locations, uh, working on different time zones, and that really helps uh, keep everybody on the same page regardless of where they are and, and what they're working on. Okay, the growth top tip. We're going slightly lower key on the growth top tip this time compared to earlier. Uh, if you met someone today who's focused on growing their e-commerce business from just 100 orders per month to 1,000, what would be your number one tip for them? Test, learn and refine. Uh, I don't think there's a, a single tip that will take you from 100 to 1,000. It's about the ideas and prioritising the ideas that you think can get you from 100 to 1,000 and looking at how quickly you can test and validate each one of those. If it works, do more of it. If it doesn't work, scrap it and get the next test underway. More great advice. Right, Masterplan World, you can find those top tips and links to everything else we've been chatting about in today's show by heading over to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast where you will see a link to this show. Andrew, before we say goodbye, I'd really love it if you could tell um, our listeners a bit about, bit more about what you're up to right now at Venture Forge because it's you've got some really fascinating stuff going on there. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's a really interesting place to be at the moment. We, we started the business officially back in March of this year, uh, and we're just about to relaunch our site at the back end of uh, September. Uh, we're coming out with uh, a range of new services uh, that work with businesses that are £2 million plus uh, to £10 million typically high growth e-commerce businesses that really want to tap into some great senior levels of expertise in e-commerce strategy. We're an approved Shopify partner, so we don't just set the strategy, we also build, design and launch the websites for our customers. Uh, and we also have what we call e-commerce as a service. Uh, and to really briefly explain that, we've taken the team that you would typically find in a, in a large e-commerce retailer, so trading capability, customer capability, marketing capability, and the team that you would find in a digital agency and brought them under one roof that our clients can tap into for whatever resource they need, be it all of their e-commerce operations or just an element of it. So it's really exciting for us. We've got that side of the business growing really well. Uh, some really exciting clients that have uh, signed up in the last couple of months. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a fun time in, in my life to be to growing something else. Excellent. Okay. Well, um, we'll add a link to the VentureForge website. I guess it's probably the best place. It's indeed, yes, we're at ventureforge.co.uk. Uh, if anyone wants to reach out, even if it's just to ask a few questions or anything we've covered in this interview, uh, you can look me up on LinkedIn. It's just Andrew Banks. Or just drop me an email straight to andy at ventureforge.co.uk. 
Awesome. Thank you. I suspect you will get a couple of questions coming in after this one. Uh, Right. I'll add links to all of that and everything else we talked about today in the show notes. Masterplan World, you can find those at ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast. Just go to the website, click on the podcast tab or use the search box. Andrew, you've been an absolute star today. It's been fascinating chatting with you and, and hearing what you've been doing over the last few years and more recently. So thank you very much for being on the podcast today. It's been uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. I've really enjoyed it. What a fascinating um, set of experience Andrew's had there. Really interesting to hear how he approached both kind of growing a startup and then making a huge, huge growth impact in an established retailer as well. What do you think? Did you take any top tips from that one? Um, please do join in the discussion in our Facebook group at ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash Facebook. And um, have a great week, all of you. And as, as Andrew frequently um, alluded to there, don't forget to keep optimising. Thank you for listening to the Ecommerce Master Plan podcast. Find out more at ecommercemasterplan.com.